for the Lord. You know, you might have come to hear from me or maybe Pastor Brad, but, but ultimately we want to hear from the Lord. That's who we really want to hear from. And, and we don't hear God with our ears, typically, right? We typically hear God with our hearts. We hear him with you know, ears to hear as we hear him with our hearts. So we need to posture our hearts in the right way to hear from the Lord. So let's do that. Father, we come before you now, Lord, and, and we humble ourselves before you. We, we acknowledge, we recognize, God, that we need you. We need you, Jesus. And we need to hear from you tonight. And, Lord, we come expectantly. We, we know and believe that you want to touch our hearts, that you want to impact our lives, that we would be conformed to your image. So, and we invite you into this place to do that, Holy Spirit. We ask you to bless this time. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, uh, I know a lot of you are sports fans. I saw some of you outside playing basketball and playing football. And, and, and all you guys are into sports a little bit, right? You like sports? Yeah, a little bit. Well, the Apostle Paul was a sports enthusiast. You may not realize that. Not many people do, actually. But sports were huge Not just in America today, sports were a big deal 2,000 years ago in the city of Rome. And Paul would actually, as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the scriptures, he would liken our spiritual walk to that of a sporting event. You guys may know what I'm talking about. He would say uh, in the book of Ephesians, he would say, we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against powers and principalities, against rulers of the darkness. He would say, he would liken our spiritual walk to that of a wrestling match. Anybody like wrestling in here? All the guys? Yeah, some of the girls. Okay, cool. Well, Paul likened our spiritual life and our spiritual walk to that of a wrestling match. And he spoke of this battle between good and evil, between, you know, in the spiritual realm, this battle, this wrestling match. He would also liken our spiritual walk to that of a track and field event. Who likes track and field? Any try any runners in here? A couple runners, got some sprinters over here. <laughs> yeah. Sprinter, there we go. Well, he would say to uh he would say we don't run the race just to compete. He would say we run the race to what? Win the race. Yeah. And he said at the end of his life, you know, I have finished the race. Thirdly, lastly, he also likened our spiritual walk to that of a boxing match. Uh, see, boxing was big in Rome by this time. Boxing began actually 3,000 years ago in Rome, and, and, and 2,000 years ago, it was a, a mega event in the city of Rome. It was a big deal. And Paul would say to the young Timothy, we must fight the good fight of faith. What did he mean that we must fight the good fight. You know, he would say that to you guys, young and old, middle school, uh, all from fifth grade, all up to any seniors back here, any juniors, freshmen, sophomore. What we got going here? Sophomore, sophomore, any for any juniors, juniors, any seniors? All right, all right, right on. But look to all of you. He would tell you just like he told the young Timothy, you must fight the good fight. Of faith. What does that mean? What does that mean for you guys? What does it mean practically? Because Paul wasn't saying, yeah, y'all all start being boxers now. You need to go to the gym and, you know, beat somebody up. He wasn't saying that. He was talking about the good fight 
of faith. Well, in that boxing match you just saw, that was fight of the year on Showtime in 2004, knockout of the year on Showtime in 2004. And I fought a guy named Courtney Burton. Now, he was ranked number four in the world at the time. I went into that fight as the challenger, and I was the underdog to everyone. But I knew that God had called me to that fight that night. And, and in that fight, God showed me what it means for us to fight the good fight of faith. Let me explain. Well, in the second round, you notice that was a 12-round fight. That was the 12th round that you just saw. Well, in the second round, very early on, I began to notice something very interesting. You see, I knew God called me to that fight. I knew I was going to win. I had faith from the day I signed the contract to fight Courtney Burton. I had faith I was going to win that fight. But in the second round, I realized I was in way over my head. (laughs) Maybe you've been in that position before. I realized I was in a bad situation. Courtney was bigger. He was meaner. He was stronger, and he was going to beat me up and probably knock me out. Now, look, if I'm going to get knocked out, you know, I want it to happen in the alley behind the local Walmart where nobody sees, right? It ain't that big a deal just so you get knocked out, but I want it to happen where nobody else can see it happen. But this is going to happen on live, worldwide boxing television. So I began to do something you might consider a little bit interesting I began to pray right there in that boxing match. I began to call out to God. How many of you guys know he hears us? When we cry out to him, when we call on his name, he hears us. And the Bible says that the man that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I knew that. So I began to cry out to God. And I said, Lord God, this fight's going to be brutal. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be painful. And I admitted my weakness to God. I said, Lord, I'm going to want to quit. I'm going to want to give up. You know, as we go through this life and this journey with the Lord, there are difficult things. We face difficult things. The Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. We face difficult things in, the, in this life. We face persecution and great temptation, and, and we make bad decisions sometimes, and, and we face very difficult things. And sometimes, don't you just want to give up? I have. And in that boxing match, I said to God, I'm going to want to give up. And the Lord, he spoke back to me, not to my ears. He spoke back to my heart. I don't think it was audible at least. But he said, he said, Ebo, if you don't quit, I'll do what you can't do. Anybody know what that means? That means I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? If I just don't quit. He said, look, if you just don't give up. If you just do your part, if you just stick it out and stay faithful to what I've called you to do, I'll do everything you can't do. And that's the promise that he makes to each of you guys. Because, look, as you go through this life and journey as a young person, look, guys, you're going to face great resistance to your faith. We live in interesting times. I believe we are at the very end of the last days. And you are going to face great resistance Great temptation. Satan is doing everything he can you to suck you down the tubes. And and, and you're going to have to stick it out. You got to stand firm in your faith. You got to keep going. When it gets difficult, you can't quit. And God says, if you don't quit, I'll do what you can't do. That's great news. That's great news. Well, when I heard that, man, I was pumped. 
I was pumped. I was filled with joy because I knew at that moment I was going to win. And not only was I going to win, I knew I was going to win by knockout. And I I knew it was going to be a knockout because, look, in all of my experience, I've never seen God leave a decision up to the judges. Right? He just doesn't work. That's not his style. He wins by knockout every time, right? So, you know, Ebo, I, I wanted... I wanted the knockout victory to come quick and easy, right? That's how we want everything. Quick, easy, you know, Netflix, on-demand TV. We got fast food drive-through. You know, I can get I can get 60 chicken nuggets in the next 10 minutes and have a movie going at my house in no time, you know? We like things quick and easy. But it was not. I I started looking for every shot to be the last one. I was like, all right, Lord, come on. We're gonna just do it through a little jab. You knock him out with a jab, that'll be miraculous right all right come on bang come on bang come on all right i'm all right lord you ain't gonna do it with a jab maybe a left hand let's be a little more realistic bang come on lord come on come on. yeah and then i begin to encourage the creator of the universe come on jesus you can do it come on you know <laughs> in the fourth round courtney hit me with a big right hand it broke my jaw my jaw was broken in the fourth round with eight to go Around, uh, somewhere around six or seven, I got hit with a body shot so hard it caused my kidneys to start hemorrhaging. I was internally bleeding by six or seven. As the fight kept going, my eyes, both of them swole up, started to swell shut, had cuts over both of them bleeding everywhere. And after the 11th round, <laughs> we began to call out to God again. In the corner, my, my trainer was like, Lord God, give him strength to do Listen to this. Whatever he has to do. Because at that moment, we didn't know what I had to do. Look, seriously, I thought I might actually have to die in the 12th round, and Jesus would raise me from the dead right there in the boxing ring. I honestly thought I might have to die in the 12th round, and I'd be resurrected from the dead on showtime. (laughs) And here's the deal. I was ready to die. I I said, look, if I got to die, I got to die, man. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And listen, this is, this is the mindset we need to have as followers of Christ. You know, 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter says to put on the mind of Christ. Put on the mind of Christ. What was the mind of Christ? The mind of Christ was this. I will do whatever the Father asked me to do. He says, I only do what he says to do. I only say what he says to say. I, you know, he was in perfect harmony with his, with his Father in heaven. And that's where we need to be. We're going to put on the mind of Christ. It's a mind that says, hey, I don't care what comes my way. I'm not going to get off track. I don't care what temptation comes my way. I don't care what opportunities I have. If it's not God's plan for me, I'm not going to have a part in it. I'm staying the course no matter what. That's the mind of Christ. We called out to the Lord at the 11th round. Uh giving him strength to do whatever he's got to do. I was ready to do whatever I had to do, but God had to give me strength. And, you know, after the 11th round, I had nothing left, but I gathered enough strength just to go back into the 12th round because I knew I couldn't give up. And, guys, this is where we live. We live in the 11th round. This is where you are right now. You are in the 11th round, and God says, hey, if you don't quit, I'll do what you can't do. And, you see, I didn't know what was going to happen in the 12th round, did I? I had no clue. I I didn't have this word from God that the knockout would happen in the 12th. I didn't know. I just knew I couldn't quit. And that's where you are. 
that you got to make it to the 12th round. You got to keep going like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego on the way to the furnace. They didn't quit, did they? They, this, you guys know this account. They didn't give up. They kept going, and the guys taking their die, and they still went down into the furnace. The good news is Jesus was in there when they got there. He was in there walking around with them, hanging out. You know, Nebuchadnezzar looks in. Hey, didn't we send three guys in there? Yeah, true, king. Well, there's four. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Jesus was with them in the furnace. And wherever he's calling you, You'll get there and you realize that's where he's been the whole time. See, Jesus, he stayed in the furnace when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out. He didn't come out. He stayed there. And that's because Jesus lives in the furnace. That's where he lives. The Bible says he has the weight and the oppression, the sin of the world on his shoulders. He's a man of many sorrows. And he stays in the furnace. So listen, I know life's hard. I know even at a young age when life should be fun and easy and full of joy and, and, and just good times, I know life is hard for each of you guys. I know it is. I remember being your age, whether you be middle school or high school, maybe you're in fifth grade here. I remember being in fifth grade and life being very, very difficult. I remember suffering from depression all through middle school and high school. I remember wanting to end my life all through middle school and high school. I remember being abused and mistreated and wondering why and what's going on. And, you know, I know life is hard, but I want you to know something. Jesus is with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And this isn't just cliche spiritual sayings. This is truth. And, and I know this. When you call upon him, when you look to him for peace, and you look to him for rest. He says, all who are weary, all who are heavy laden and burdened and sad and depressed, come to me and I will give you rest for your souls. He's never let me down, guys. I always look to him. I wish I could say I always did. When I always when I look to him, he's there and he gives me peace. Well, as I went into the 12th round, I figured, hey, you can do anything for three minutes, right? That's a joke. You can laugh at that one. No, three minutes ago in this fight, I did all I could for a minute and a half. A minute and a half into it, I had nothing left. And Courtney hit me with a big right hand, and I started to go down, and I fell back into the ropes. But look, my instinct, I'm falling back into the ropes. My instinct was to throw a left hand because I ain't going down without the fight, you know. But as I threw it, it was held back by one of the ropes. If you didn't see it then, YouTube it. You can see it again. Held back by one of the ropes and all my energy, everything I had drained out, and I started to go down. And as I started to go down, I knew it was over. I had nothing. I was hurt, and I started to go down. And I knew if I could even stand back up, I knew Courtney was going to knock me out. Maybe you feel like that right now. If you don't feel like it right now, maybe, you're, maybe you'll find yourself in this situation down the road, but you just feel like, hey, the end is here, man. I can't keep going. I got nothing. So I called out to the Lord again. And I said, Father God, I said, Lord, it's about to be over. I'm about to be knocked out, but I didn't quit. I said, Lord, since you made me that promise in the second round, I didn't quit, and I'm not going to think about it now. So I gathered together everything I possibly could, just enough to stand up. And as soon as I stood up, something amazing happened. Power, power from high came into my body. And look, you might, you might just be hearing it, but hey, it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to see it. 
The commentator noticed it. He said, Ebo's got a, a burst of steam. <laughs> what they thought was a burst of steam. Look, that wasn't my plan. Okay, guys, I'm going to break. My jaw's going to be broken in the fourth round, bleeding kidneys in the sixth, swollen shut eyes by round 10. And I'm going to come on with about a minute to go with a burst of steam and win this fight. That wasn't my plan, right? No, what they thought was a burst of steam was true. was really the Holy Spirit coming upon me in power. Guys, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 said, Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. See, the Holy Spirit indwells us at salvation, and he comes upon us in power to, be, to do what God's called us to do. He comes upon you, gives you power. Look, what do you guys need to do what God's called you to do? To be, a, to be a, a young person set apart for the purposes of God. To be a young person that says, no, I, I am a, a, I'm, I'm going to live a holy life set apart for the Lord. A life for His purposes and His plans, not mine. A life for His glory and not mine. I don't need anything of the world. What do you need to do that? You need power. We need power. That's what we need. And he says, actually, Luke, Luke chapter 13 says, if we ask him, if we ask, he is faithful to give us the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, in that boxing match, I didn't even ask. But when that happened, when he saw my knee, when I cried out to him, he gave me power. And 30 seconds later, the number four ranked fighter in the world was knocked out. And I was blown away at the faithfulness of God, at the power of God. I got a glimpse of God's plans and purposes for each and every one of us. And it blew me away. I was in a boxing ring, and I couldn't help but worship God. I couldn't stop worshiping God, and nobody was there encouraging me to raise my holy hands and sing the chorus of 10,000 Reasons, right? I was in a boxing ring in a casino in San Inez, California, and all I could do was worship God. You know why? Because I, I got a glimpse of him. Because I grabbed hold of his robe, like the woman with a bleeding issue for 12 years. I grabbed hold of his robe, man, and I held on for dear life, and I got a glimpse of God, and it blew me away. Guys, when you get a glimpse of God, I've, n- I've, never, I've never been the same since that night. I- I've stumbled. I've, you know, I've got off course here or there, but I've never been the same because I got a glimpse of God. You know, at the end of that fight, I, was, you know, I didn't hear the commentators kind of making fun of me, praising God, but you know, he said he needs to pray for his opponent, right? I didn't hear that, but the Lord did. And the Lord led me over to pray for Courtney. I said, Lord God, I pray you would make this loss for him a benefit like you did for me three and a half years earlier. That he would know nothing matters. Nothing satisfies in this world, but only a relationship with you. And guys, that is what satisfies. There's been times in my life I've been rich. I've had lots of money. I was 20 years old and 60 grand in the bank. That's a lot of money for a 20-year-old. I had a brand-new sports car, brand-new house. It never satisfied. It always left me empty. The most satisfied I've ever been is just abiding in Christ, walking with Jesus, knowing Jesus and making him known. That's the most satisfied I've ever been. But at the end of that, you heard me say, Jesus Christ has a plan for your life, given to it and accept it. Guys, I wish I could tell you I gave into the Lord's plan for my life early. I wish I could say that, but I didn't. 
I remember being many of your ages. Do we have anybody in elementary school? All right, what grade are you? Fifth, all right. Well, in first grade through fourth grade, I remember having a friend. Her name was Amy White in first grade through fourth grade. And then she, she moved away, went to a different middle school. But I remember the first day of 10th grade, I was sitting in Mr. Sullivan's geometry class, trailer number three, two rows over, sitting five seats back. That's a good memory for a boxer right there. But I'm sitting there, and a girl walks into class, and I recognize her. Guess who it was? Amy. It was Amy White. And you, so I made the chair next to me openly available, and I said, hey, girl, come sit down. You know, I got a seat, you know. My intentions were not the best, but nonetheless, God had a plan for my life. He had a plan. She sat down. We started talking, and uh, soon after that, we started kind of, you know, this dating thing, whatever, and that's a whole other message that I don't have time for tonight, but, but we went to both proms together. We graduated high school. Three weeks after graduation, we got married, 18 years old. Listen, listen, we had a perfect future planned out. We knew what we wanted. We were going to grow old together. I was going to be a pro boxer. She's going to be a stay-at-home mom. We named all of our children before we graduated high school. It's crazy, right? But listen, here's where we made the big mistake. And this is the mistake. If you're not careful, you will make the same mistake. We knew God had a plan for our life. Me and her, we both knew. Her dad was a pastor. I had heard the gospel. We knew God had a plan for our life. But we thought we could come up with something better. We, we wanted to do what we wanted to do. You know, the Bible says that the flesh, what we want, our flesh wants, is in direct contest to what God desires for our life. It's in direct contest to it. They don't, we, can't, we can't walk in the flesh and walk in the spirit at the same time. It just doesn't work that way. And I thought I could just do the things I wanted to do and everything would be okay. I thought I could, I could win the battle on my own problem is guys who does the battle belong to the lord it's not my battle this spiritual battle the spiritual wrestling match the spiritual track event and boxing match that paul speaks of it's not mine to win it's jesus to win and he won it on the cross two thousand years ago i can't i can't win the battle all i can do is share in his victory and that's by walking with him i can only share in his victory i can't win it but i thought i could so me and amy we got married we had this future planned out for us. We started down this road, and a year and a half into our marriage, it had become, from a, a great friendship, a great happy relationship, it had become the most painful, difficult, frustrating thing we'd ever experienced. And a year and a half into it, Amy filed for divorce. And I don't blame her. We were both miserable. I just don't know how to quit. So <laughs> I didn't know how to file for divorce, but she did. She filed for divorce. And it was over. And I remember the way I felt at that moment. I began to f- see this thing in my life, a void in my heart. I knew something was missing. You know, a, a theologian in the 1600s named Pascal said, every human being, every one of us, have a God-shaped void in our heart. And I recognized that void for the first time in a long time, but I started trying to fill it with all kinds of things. I tried to fill it with drugs meth and cocaine and ecstasy and alcohol and a worldly lifestyle. I tried to fill it with, 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 other, with girls and uh, worldly, everything worldly. I tried to fill it up. But you know what? The more I, I went into the world, the bigger the void got. The more miserable I became. Look, I'm telling you right now, 
None of that stuff satisfies. It just doesn't. The void got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I remember one night, about two years later, I had reached the end of my rope. I couldn't live like that anymore. So I got down on my knees in my living room, and I cried out that night. And I wish I could tell you I cried out to Jesus, but I didn't. I said if I could just get Amy back, that would be enough. I thought that if I got Amy back into my life, I would be complete. You know, the Bible says in Colossians 2.10 that we are complete in Christ Jesus. We're not, no person can ever complete, no girl, hey guys, no girl can ever complete you. No, no spouse, girls, no guy can ever complete you. A, a husband or a wife can compliment you, but that's about it. The only one who can complete you, his name is Jesus, right? But I thought if I found Amy, that'd be enough. So I went to her friend's house, Katie. I knocked on the door. Katie came to the door. I begged with Katie. I said, hey, you got to get Amy. I got to see her. I just got to see her one more time or hear her voice or just hold her hand one more time. That night, Amy wouldn't even come to the door. She said, I never want to see him again. Tell him to leave. My last resort had failed. So I got in my car and I began driving home. And at that moment, all my friends thought I had the perfect life. I had money. I had fame. I had accomplishment through boxing. I had girls and, and, and drugs and alcohol. And I was empty and hopeless. And I got home. I sat on the side of my bed. And I began to think of all the dreams I had. Dreams of being a pro boxer. I knew at that moment I would never fight again. I didn't have it in me. I didn't have the, the motivation to do anything. I began to think about the marriage I dreamed of. I wanted to be a good husband. I wanted a good marriage, but I tried to do it on my own, and I couldn't. I failed. I began to think about those kids we had names picked out for. I pretended we'd go to a playground and call them by name and swing on the swings. And as I sat there on the side of my bed, I began to realize those kids would never exist. That marriage would never happen. That boxing career was a, a, a pipe dream. So I, I became more hopeless at that moment than I ever had been. And I reached into the nightstand, and I pulled a forty caliber pistol out of it. I put it to my head, and I was sitting there just thinking of all that I had lost. And I started to pull the trigger, and something amazing happened. I heard a small, still voice that said, Ebo, if you don't quit, I'll do what you can't do. If you don't give up right now, if you'll just turn your life to me, if you'll surrender your heart to me, I'll restore all you've lost. Number one, I'll forgive you. You're forgiven. Grace and mercy, and I'll restore all that you've lost. And I, you know, I wish I could say at that moment I, could, I surrendered my whole life to the Lord, but I didn't. But it was enough, enough to put the gun down. I said, okay then I'm going I'm to start making the decisions I need to to find out who you are. If you're God, I'll find out. And I started walking. I started taking steps toward the Lord. And God began a work of, of regeneration in my life. It wasn't long after that that the Lord put me back into boxing. He took me to a number five world ranking, put me on a reality show in 2006 called The Contender on ESPN. In January 2007, God called me out of boxing and threw me into a life of ministry. His ways are not our ways. His plans are not our plans. Amen? <laughs> Soon after that, the Lord began working on Amy's heart as well. 
That girl that wanted nothing to do with me, her heart began to change, and she came back into my life. We have been now remarried for 17 years, not to date myself. And the kids we had names picked out for, we got them too. We got Maddie, Abby, Gabby, and Addie. Yeah, four awesome little girls. There are great comebacks in boxing. There are great comebacks in marriage. There are great comebacks in lots of areas of life. The greatest comeback you could ever have is simply coming back to Jesus. It's the greatest you could ever have. You know, the Bible says that we are separated from God when we're born. You know, we're born into an inherently sinful nature. Did you know that? See, I've got kids. I don't have to teach my kids how to do the wrong thing, do I? I have to teach them how to do the right thing. They're good at the wrong thing right off the bat. Babies come out of the womb and they're screaming, they're angry, they're mad, they're selfish. Right out of the womb. You ever seen a baby come out and want to think about you and taking care of you? No, we got to take care of them because they're selfish. (laughs) We're born separated from God. And you know what? That separation of sin, that is a gulf none of us could ever cross on our own. Just like in that boxing match, I couldn't do anything to win. I didn't have what it took. None of us have what it takes to cross the void, the void of sin between us and God. That's why God became a man. He said, I'm going to cross it for them. I'm going to build a bridge for them that they can cross it. And the bridge is going to be made out of two pieces of wood. (laughs) What's the bridge? The cross, right? And he died on the cross and paid the price for your sin that by just faith and entrusting yourself to Jesus, you might receive everlasting life. That's the good news, right? That's very, very good news. Like I said, the greatest comeback you could ever have is coming back to Jesus, coming to him, surrendering your life to him. I want to give you the opportunity to do that. I don't know where you're at right now. I know you guys are in church, and I applaud that. But going to church doesn't save you. It doesn't. Uh, Mark chapter 4, in fact, there's a, a, a demoniac in church. So <laughs> demons are in church occasionally. So um, it doesn't save you to go to church, does it? No? Good. What saves you? Knowing Jesus. Putting your faith in Jesus. Trusting Jesus. That saves you. Surrendering your life to him. I'm going to give you an opportunity right now if you want to surrender your life to him. And just say, Lord, I'm all yours. I know you've got a plan for me. I know you have a a, a will for my life, a desire for my life. And right now I'm going to make the confession that I'm going to surrender to that plan. Does anybody want to make that decision tonight? Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. And you guys want to make that decision? If you, if you need to, this is time is of the essence. I love the name of your student ministries, urgent. You know why I love that? Because the time, time is urgent. The time is dwindling. The window of grace is shutting, and it will be shut. There will come a day when the window of grace has shut, and there's no second chance. So time is of the essence. We're not promised tomorrow. I won't try to scare you into salvation, but... But we're not promised tomorrow. Did you know that 150,000 people die every day? Every day, 150,000 people die. And I'm sure they all had plans for tomorrow. 
Plus, the more we wait, the more we resist God, the harder our heart gets. The more closed our ears get. And eventually we get to the place where we can't hear him anymore. And that's a dangerous place to be. So I encourage you, if you're hearing the Lord right now, as these, as you guys have already responded, if you're hearing, if you got a tug on your heart, and you know, you're going, you know, I really think I might need to just say, yeah, I, I commit, I surrender. I might need to do that. Now's your chance. Anybody else that wants to make that decision? All right. Well, for those of you that raised your hand, and maybe you're just a little bit afraid, and you think you should have, but you didn't, it's okay. God loves you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that 2,000 years ago you did pay my penalty of sin on the cross. You paid the debt that I had before God, that I might be justified and forgiven of all my sins, that they would be washed away as far as the east is from the west. And right now, Lord, I thank you for doing that. I thank you for dying for me dying a sinner's death on my behalf. And Lord, right now, I make this decision. I make the decision to surrender my life to you. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you my mind, my desires. And I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I give you leadership and rulership over my life. And it's not mine anymore. I give it to you. And now I ask that you pour your spirit out fresh in my life and power. Holy Spirit, come upon me in power that I could be a faithful witness of you to the world. That I could stay the course in, in light of great temptation and persecution. And that I could do all that you've called me to do. I love you, Lord. And I pray it in your name. Amen. 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 Well, guys, hey, let's hear it for those who made a great decision today. Let's hear it. Come on. That's good. Lastly, quickly, I know we're probably nearing our time or whatnot, but um, for those of you that now, now there are a lot of you that I know know the Lord, maybe all of you. You know the Lord, you're walking with the Lord. In that fight, what did God say? If you don't quit, right? If you don't give up. Well, hey, let me ask you this. Do you know what you need to be doing? I'm sure Pastor Brad talked to you about this all the time, but I want to remind you tonight. What do we need to keep doing? What do we need to be about? Quickly, I'll just run through this real fast with you. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is the early church. This is right after the first Christians got saved. There were about 3,000 of them on that day that Peter preached the gospel. What did they keep doing? Here's what you need to be about. It says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. So that means they stayed in the word of God. Guys, hey, this is life to the believer. This is life. This is literally our nourishment. Did you know that? If we're not consuming God's word, we're not consuming any nourishment. We're like baby Christians trying to survive without eating anything. You know why babies cry all the time? Because they're hungry. They need food. You don't give a baby food, it's going to be weak. It ain't going to make it. And a baby Christian will not make it without consuming the word of God. It says they continued steadfastly in the word of God. That means in light of resistance and, and, and difficult times, they continued to study the Word of God. Look, if I can impress anything upon you, this changed my life. At about 27 years old, 
I had already come to the Lord. I already knew the Lord. But this, three or four years after I came to the Lord, I, I started studying his word. And I've never been the same. This is life. Jesus said, um, the flesh profits nothing. It's the spirit that gives life. My word is life. So, they continued in the Bible. So, guys, stay in the Bible. Fellowship. This, this is fellowship. The, the word there is koinia. It actually it signifies a group of people with a common belief marching forward with action for that belief. So, it's Christians coming together, encouraging one another, uh, holding each other accountable, being there to pray for each other, and, and marching forward in the purposes of God. That's what you guys need to keep doing. Amen? And then it says, and the breaking of bread and in prayers. The breaking of bread, what is that? It could be eating together, but I think what he means there specifically is partaking of, the, of, of communion and remembering. The communion is not the part. It's the remembering of what Jesus did. Consistently remembering, hey, Jesus died for me. He paid the ultimate price. He died for me while I was a still sinner. No greater love than this one would lay his life down for another. Jesus did that for me. He loves me. So we need to remind ourselves and partake of communion and remember that consistently. And lastly, and in what? I just said it. And in prayers. Sorry. <laughs> you're, hey, you're tracking. It's good. You're, you're on board. It's good. The Bible and fellowship, the gospel and communion, remembering the gospel, and lastly, prayers. We need to be a people of prayer. Guys, I want to see you. I want to see this, this group. This is a small group, not a big group. But you know what, guys? You can change the world. You can change the world. Jesus, you've used 12 ordinary, ragtag, uneducated, dirty fishermen and some politician, you know, jerks. <laughs> he used those guys to change the world. You guys are way ahead of them. <laughs> Look, if he can use those guys, James and John, brothers that wanted to kill people for not receiving them. I mean, they're just jerks, right? They're, they're bad dudes. But he used them because they ultimately they let him conform them to his image and they were surrendered to him and he used them greatly. Guys, each of you, God wants to use your life in a mighty way. He does and he will. If you allow him, but you got to stay in the Bible, stay in fellowship, continue remembering the, the price of the gospel and be a person of prayer. Amen. All right. I'm gonna give it over to Brad. God bless you guys. Love you. Thank you guys.